0: Another episode of the Mediabo Podcast, your weekly source of information on movies, TV, music, video games. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> My
1: name's Mike. His name is Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. His, his name is Mike. Welcome back to the Mediabo Podcast. This is episode 316. Today is January 29th, 2022. Almost done with January already. Can you believe it? Yes, but then again, <laughs> this last week felt like forever for It some really reason. did. It really did. I don't know what was in the air this week. but um, Well, it's probably because of your anticipation for your Los Angeles Rams uh, to see if they make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, but we'll get to that, we'll get to that. later. But, but yeah. in the meantime, we have a podcast to do.
0: Yes, uh, episode 316, because Stone Cold said so. Sure, yes. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of... Long-time rest- listeners. Long-time listeners. Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin out in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Definitely listens to this podcast. Definitely.
1: It's his favorite. Yes. Uh, shout out to...
0: Anytime an episode reaches episode 316, he has to listen to it.
1: It's by contract. Yes. Shout out to our, our, our friend Alex, who is obsessed with Stone Cold. Um, I'm sure she'd be happy to know that this is his favorite podcast.
0: <laughs> no, favorite podcast episode. Yeah. Specifically, all 316 episodes. All
1: 316, yes.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. So, with that <laughs> with nice introduction, let's get right into our podcast. We start with music, and we start with the Billboard. Yes, we do. Yep, and we always start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And number one song is Easy On Me by Adele. Because, of course. Again. And number two, We Don't Talk About Bruno. No, no, no. No, 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 by various artists on the <laughs> Encanto soundtrack at number two. Yep. Coming in at three, Heat Waves by Glass Animals. At number four, Stay by the kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. And new, coming into the top five,
1: Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. Super Gremlin. When I saw that, I had to look at it three times to make sure I was typing their correct thing. Because I was like, that's such a weird name. Yes, but also so is Kodak Black. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong.
0: Super Gremlin. Super Gremlin. Super I mean, Gremlin. Also, the Kid LAROI. Yeah. And Class Animals. The Kid. Leroy. Yes. All caps. All of you
1: Anyway.
0: Anyways, <laughs> congratulations on making it to the top five. You did it. Uh, as for your albums, chart your billboards 200. At number one, Encanto, the soundtrack... The sweeping the Nation, yes. Lenman
1: Wells written music. So the second time it was it's at number one. It was briefly dethroned by uh, the Gunna record, but uh, back at number one this week.
0: Yep. Uh, people still wanted to listen to Bruno. Turns out. At number two, uh, DS Forever by Gunna yep. drops down to number two. Coming in at three, Dawn FM by The Weeknd. Yep. At uh, 430 by Adele and number five, uh, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Uh, it won't die. You know, I don't think that groan was long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: we, we don't want this podcast to be two hours long.
0: Well, no. See, that, that groan was only long enough for a single album. This is the, oh, the double, double album. album. Okay, double-length groan next yes. time. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like any of those albums, or you want to contribute to something else entering the top five next <laughs> please. We have new releases. We do. Uh, so these releases aren't for this uh, currently release. These are for upcoming next yes. Friday. Yes. Including Time's Gifts by Animal Collective. Mm-hmm. Ants from Up There by Black Country, New Road. <laughs> Pompeii by Cat LeBond. Kate Laban. Kate LeBond. That's an E there. Not to be confused uh, with... Pompeii by Bastille. No, very different. But, that does mean we also have Give Me the Future by Bastille. That's true. <laughs> Don't get confused with tricky albums there. Yes. Uh, there's also Requiem by Korn. Yes, that Korn.
1: And Laurel Hell by Mitski. Yeah, that Mitski writer finally out. Yes. We'll listen to that next I week. I know you're,
0: you're going to say I that. will
1: talk about it. Okay. Next week.
0: Ah, but that's actually ethics Problems. This week... Um, even though this is music, Hmm. we're going to get into some beef here.
1: Yeah, do you like beef? I mean,
0: yes, but I also don't like people who don't eat beef.
1: Oh, oh. (laughs) well. Anyway, you didn't leave me much of a segue there. Uh, There's some beef happening in the music world this week. Two stories that are about beefing people. Yes. (laughs) So proud of yourself, aren't you? No. Anyway. I was
0: going to go with a 303
1: reference there. Oh, God. stupid. Anyway, I'm not even going to, not even going to, no, I'm not going to give you that. No? No, I'm not going to give you All that. All right, if you understood that reference, <laughs> that <one's> for you. <laughs> That's for you. If you're still holding on to your 303 records at home. You know,
0: uh, or, or going to uh, the When We Were Young <laughs> festival, because that, that'll uh, have some 303 in there.
1: It might have some beef in it, too. So, so
0: who's beefing? Ooh, so Old Man Yells at Cloud... Well, Neil Young... Well, cloud, cloud streaming, I guess you can say. Yes. Neil Young yells at Spotify. But for good reason. Oh, I didn't say it was for a bad reason. I just said yeah. old man yells at cloud. So While also a joke, also still relevant. So what's
1: going on with Neil Young and Spotify?
0: Well, Spotify has decided to remove Neil Young's music from his platform per his request. Yes. Following Neil Young's objections to Joe Rogan's statements about the COVID nineteen vaccine on his multi million dollar Spotify hosted show. <laughs> yes, the music is expected to be removed. Uh, so this past Wednesday, this past it was Wednesday removed. it yeah. was officially removed. Um, a rep from Spotify said in a statement, "Quote: We want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With great power comes great responsibility in balancing both safety." and... For listeners and freedom for creators, mm-hmm. we have detailed content policies in place, and we've, re- we've removed over twenty thousand <laughs> podcast episodes related to COVID since the start of the pandemic. We regret Neil's decision to
1: remove his music from Spotify, but hope to welcome him back soon. There is and, s- quote. There's so many gymnastics happening, so many flips happening in that sentence. They're trying to balance a, on a really tight rope here. Yes. Where they're trying to say it's like, oh, well, you know, the ones, the weird Joe Rogan podcast where we t- talked about the, the, the vaccine. Oh, we secretly removed those, even though we told no one we were doing that. Maybe even Joe Rogan doesn't know. Well, but no, doesn't, we did it. We swear we did it. It also doesn't
0: specifically <laughs> say those Joe Rogan podcasts. No, it doesn't. There's does no, nothing it about it. It says just
1: 20,000 podcast episodes. In general. And nowhere does it say that they're going to do anything moving forward anyways. It's not like Joe Rogan all of a sudden changed his mind. No. It's like, no, like oh, it's like, sorry, and the next show he does is like, oh, I, like, all of a sudden, no, I think everybody should get the shot. No, of course he's not going to do that. So Spotify will continue to give a platform for a dude that still has this opinion. It's changed nothing about Spotify do, doing business with Joe Rogan. Instead, all it means is that they're basically trying to say that they did the right thing when they did nothing. Frustrating. Anyways, that's not
0: the end of the story. Oh no, it's not because Spotify, Spotify's market uh, capitalization, <laughs> yes, fell about two point one billion dollars mm-hmm. over a three day span this week, coming after Neil Young yanked his songs from uh, from the streaming site. Yeah, shares of Spotify fell six percent from January twenty sixth yeah. to the twenty eighth over the same period of time in tech-heavy NASDAQ composite site, the index rose 1.7%, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average went up 1.1%. Over in cryptocurrency world, <laughs> that actually continued to fall following right. a weeks-long massacre to the NFTs.
1: Yeah, but, but that's, we, neither, here that's neither here nor there. That's neither here or there. But uh, one of the interesting things that's happened in the, the wake of this is that a lot of artists, other artists, have shown their support For Neil Young here, most notably Joni Mitchell, who also decided to pull her entire catalog off the service. But you also see, and part of this uh, uh, drop in shares here, is that there's now a movement for people to either cancel Spotify accounts or get their music off Spotify. It took a big name like Neil Young to get this movement to further move ahead. I mean, obviously, we had plenty of artists uh, say their distaste for the service over the course of the last handful of years. And hopefully, this is the real push move moment where Spotify might actually have to make some changes. Will that happen? Eh, we'll see. Uh, but they're such a big name that I feel like maybe this can't make that much of a dent. But hey, here's hoping that maybe it does. Well,
0: it's for Spotify. It's a numbers game. Yeah, you have probably one, 1. 1.5 to two million people listening to Neil Young's music on a monthly basis. Give or take. yeah. Joe Rogan can get about 5 million listeners on a weekly basis. Yeah. And that's the number we're, dif- we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. But, is... one, but like I'm saying, though, is if enough high-profile artists make this decision, it might change their mind. Because then that num- the numbers start accumulating, right? If you have, say, six artists that are huge names that pull in millions of listeners every day... And now, all of a sudden, that's pulling away. Your Joe Rogan numbers are starting to look pretty similar. And yes, so and right now, it's Neil Young. Yeah. Yeah. So you say six artists. Yeah.
0: Give me five that would make you pull from Spotify.
1: If, well, I mean, I already did. So I mean, what you already did. Theoretically, done? if I was still a Spotify subscriber. Yes. one of those big five that would make the pull? I mean, we'll talk about her in a moment, but Taylor Swift could be a a definite hinge here. I could totally see her doing this. She, in the past, has shown very consumer, like, positive music, like, uh, music fan, like, positive uh, reactions to streaming services screwing her over. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if she jumps on this bandwagon here. I could see similar artists from similar eras, like Paul McCartney, making this move, which would be big. Uh you know, like I think that I think Adele could be a very important person, a uh, person in this uh, play. She could make a play similar to the one she did about Spotify forcing their hand on its shuffle. Mm-hmm. I think she could also, if she decides that she wants to pull her music, this could also make a big sea change with the with service. So those are some names. Now,
0: those are artists who also own their account. Or what right. about? I guess this is off podcast here, but the big, the, the, the corporations who own the music.
1: I don't see labels playing that labels. game because yeah. the labels love Spotify. They want to maintain a good relationship with Spotify. It's the artists that are getting hurt here. The labels don't care. The labels want Spotify to exist and they want their artists to remain on it because it's a not just a revenue model. It's a marketing model. They don't want to get rid of their relationship with Spotify because when all of a sudden Spotify, like if Spotify continues, continues to be the biggest player in the industry, the labels would it be label suicide to stop working with them. Especially when you consider that streaming numbers are so important to billboard charts. They can't make that risk. So, yes, you're right. If labels pull, Spotify would have to do something. But are labels ever going to do that? No, Probably they do not. not want to jeopardize that relationship. Artists have the power here, though. So it's the artist's decision. And especially big, powerful artists who don't need Spotify to still be famous. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of leverage. Yeah. So. We'll see.
0: We'll see. Uh, all that being said, um, following the news of, from Spotify, Apple came out with a statement that yes. said, Neil Young, the <laughs> home of... <laughs> Or, uh, Neil Young, the home of Apple Music.
1: I also saw in a related note, uh, Neil Young himself was trying to push uh, the trial for Amazon Music on some people. <laughs> Be like, hey, you can go to Amazon to listen to my music. Just saying, they got a free trial up. Try it out, which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, dude, you do not want to go into that <laughs> rabbit hole about Amazon, <laughs> man. <laughs> Don't try it out those waters. Uh, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole lot of beef. It's all uh, a whole lot of beef,
0: but we're not done with beef. Oh, no. Now here's your extra side of beef that here's, you ordered. Here's some meatloaf. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um,
1: on the side here.
0: Yeah, uh, here's your extra pork chop that you ordered.
1: Yeah, this is a long one. Bear with me, because it ends on a pretty funny note. Yes. So, Blur and Gorilla Singer,
0: Damon Albarn. Which, if you're British, you know who this is. If yes. you're
1: American... You know him as the Gorillas guy.
0: Yes,
1: (laughs) the guy behind the
0: Gorillas, not the song.
1: Right. The 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 band. The band.
0: Yes, has claimed that Taylor Swift quote doesn't write her own songs.
1: There's a bit of asterisk there, but we'll get there.
0: After a uh, L.A. Times interviewer noted that Swift was a talented songwriter, when the interviewer mentioned Swift also co-writes, Albarn responded, "That doesn't count." I know what co-writing is. Co-writing is a very different is very different to writing. I'm not hating on co-writes. Doesn't mean that the outcome can't be really great. <laughs> well, that whole quote was taken out of context.
1: Taylor didn't like it.
0: Taylor didn't like it. <laughs> no. Taylor didn't like it. So she issued then issued a response on Twitter calling Albarn's accusation completely false and so damaging. Quote I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try and discredit my writing. Wow. Um, period.
1: Real quick though, I didn't have this the, with this in the story, but she apparently put like as a follow up to that tweet. P.S. I wrote this tweet myself. As if, as I if saw we that. didn't figure that out. Like, you dropped an F-bomb in the tweet. Like, yes, Taylor, we know this is post-folklore Taylor coming out. <laughs> yes, but it's also the dig on the uh, co-writing. Right, which is funny. Yes, which
0: is also funny.
1: <laughs> so, within 12
0: hours of becoming persona non grata among Taylor Swift fans <laughs> around the world, Albarn used his Los Angeles concert to further address his comments about the pop star. During the tail end of Albarn's Walt Disney concert hall show, um, about five days ago, mm-hmm. reportedly a 17-hour 17-song, 17 hours, no 75. No.
1: Reportedly, minutes. It, was,
0: it was reportedly a 17-song <laughs> uh, tour de force that lasted 75 minutes.
1: Yeah,
0: Alvar joked about Los Angeles Times pop music critic Mikhail Wood, who was the interviewer, who did an interview about again, suggesting that he was misrepresented in the. A video uploaded to Twitter by one of the concert goers shows Auburn saying on stage that, quote, before he cast me into the social media (laughs) abyss, (laughs) uh, Wood asked if he would play Song 2. Yes. You know, the iconic Blair soundtrack uh, from uh, from 1997.
1: So if you don't know what Song 2 is, it's the one that goes, woohoo. Do, 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 do. That's song two. Yes. Always titled you <laughs> You've song heard it two. in every like sports thing you've ever seen. Yep. <laughs> it's also fun
0: when making a, uh, well, you know, back when we used to burn CDs. Right. Yes. Song Two would always be, two. Would be Song, song two. two. Yeah. Because everyone didn't like Song Two. <laughs> yeah. Albarn uh, says he initially responded with, not a chance, but then rehearsed. Then rehearsed the song for concert. He then tells fans that, quote, you can judge for yourself whether it was worth it, (laughs) adding, I think I'm just becoming old-fashioned. It's not exactly clear what he means by that. (laughs) uh, But the singer then dedicated the song
1: to Mr. Woods. So there's layers to this. So if anybody knows... Like like anything about Song 2, if you're our age or older. Um, it was a purposefully parodic song when it was released, and nobody got the joke. Kind of similar to Green Day's Good Riddance. Yeah. Um, it's a song that was made in the style of something that the artists actually didn't like. And the reason why they didn't like it was why it became a huge hit. Song 2 was supposed to be making fun of the grunge acts at the time. Uh, like in like the kind of late 90s like late 90s he did like uh, Damon Alburn didn't like how s- rock music was starting to sound so he was like I'm gonna write a song that sounds like that, that those songs it ended up being the biggest hit of, the, of Blur's career yeah. and, um, <laughs> and, and maybe he still has some beef about that <laughs> and so it's very funny that he would then be like so this angry at this interviewer taking his quote out of context and enraging the internet basically being like you know what I will play this song that you requested because you requested it and dedicate it to you Kind of like bitterly in a way. <laughs> it's great. So he ended up kind of making up for it. I don't think he really meant I think I get what he was trying to say, which is like it's a different process and so it's not necessarily the same. What's not in this story is that in the interview he specified what he like somebody he does admire is Billie Eilish because in his eyes, Billie Eilish, it has full songwriting ownership of her songs,
0: and even get, though she co-writes with her brother.
1: Yes, which is a weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, if, if but, that documentary on a on right yes it can, is, any is, a plus is any indication.
1: But but I get what he's trying to say. It's just that in, in any interview, you have to be prepared that your quotes are going to be taken out of context. And so, but I also so I also don't blame Taylor Swift for being like, "Hey, what the hell?" Like, uh, also not in this story is that. Erin Dessner, who helped Taylor co-write a lot of songs on Folklore and Evermore, stood up in her defense and actually made a statement accusing David Albarns. Like, no, I worked with Taylor. I know how she works. It's her work. Like, she's doing most of the heavy lifting here. Case in point, watch the um, long pond sessions on Disney Plus to get a kind of peek into what that process looked like.
0: I should watch that again.
1: Yeah, it was good, huh? It was really good. It was good. Anyway, so so there's a lot of layers and nuance to the story, so it's not as black and white as, oh, Damon said something mean about Taylor Swift. They both have their points, and really, the criticism should be directed at this interviewer who was, like, maybe a little, like, Uh, he fumbled the ball a little bit when describing what the the story was here. Oh, he knew exactly what he was doing. (laughs) I'm sure, yes, but... But also, you can't weaponize something like that because everybody knows that the Taylor Swift fans on the internet are deadly. They will go for the jugular. Yes. Like, they do not hold back. So, yeah. It's complicated. But ultimately, I think that this last bit kind of redeemed him in my eyes. and be like, okay, he knows what's going on here. At least he's having some fun. See, I think like, he was
0: compounding but, uh, two different ideals mm-hmm. uh, between songwriting of, like, someone who writes a song and, like, has one or two other writers on it. Right. Compared to, like, um, famously... Rihanna's songs. Right, yes. Who have twenty different writers on it. And
1: not just Rihanna, like Song by Committee is often yes. a punchline in pop music where you have like five different authors. It's really funny with Grammy's Time comes around, and you're looking at the endless credits on Song of the Year. Well, sometimes. that's why I keep
0: bringing it up because right. they did that for Rihanna. They had to re- read yeah. everybody's name on it.
1: And, you know, of course, that also makes you think of Olivia Rodrigo's uh, trials with Sour uh, over the course of last year, where she writers kept add, being added yes. because of legal reasons. And so, yeah, like I get where, yes, you're right. That's probably where he's coming from, is this kind of song by committee concept of pop music. Mm-hmm. But Taylor's right to, to point out that's not how she operates. Yes. And it's kind of never how she operated. But still, uh, yeah. So so what I'm saying is, so hold he had back, to, Taylor fans. Because he had not a good target. He necessarily...
0: just put it at the wrong target. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's like, you just can't you can't say anything about Taylor. But, hey, whatever. What are you going to do? They both had points. They tried to address them as mm-hmm. they can. It's the internet. What are you going to do? Uh,
0: you can listen to us and we can try and clean it up for you. Hey, yeah. Hey, there you go, there you <laughs> go. All right, so
1: let's get some music thoughts. So that's the beef. Put the beef back in the freezer. We're not going to eat it anymore.
0: Uh, oh no, not till later. Okay, uh, we have some leftover beef um, <laughs> leftover coming beef. up later All in right. the podcast. Delicious. Yes.
1: Yeah. Anyway, oh no, you don't like leftover beef? Eh, you know what? In certain certain light, maybe. But if you you got to maintain, the, like you got to maintain the leftovers. You got to put it in a really tight uh, sealed Tupperware. See, what most people do yeah. is they
0: put it, they take it out the beef, and they just. Like reheat it, like no, right. add some some salt. Oh, Yeah, a little, re- little seasoning. We're
1: getting air fryer. I hear air fryer does wonders to reheat it. Uh, to reheat your leftovers. Hey, yeah, there you go. I'll start the next podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> please, yeah, please um, be- uh, send us ad reads. We'd love to do an ad read. Air yes. fryer companies. Yes, but if
0: you like <laughs> beef um, and you like country music, do I got an album for you? Country beef. Country beef. Uh, so Maddie and Tay.
1: There are two people. The
0: duo behind Girl in a Country Song Yes. Uh, come, is coming out has come out with their second studio album. That sounds right. I think it's the second.
1: A relatively new uh, act.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, I think it's their second official studio album. They had some EPs before that. Okay. Uh, Through the Madness Volume 1. Ooh. Volume 1. Yes. Uh, so, Maggie and Tay's basic shtick is taking country songs okay. and kind of responding to country songs <laughs> from a f- female's perspective. Sure. It's hilarious, and it works. Hilarious in that something like this needs to be done. <laughs> but also the fact that what they write about is right. Sure. It's it's very hard-hitting stuff in the like country kind of folks, kind of a little bit pop-ish music. And that's what this album is, Through the Madness. It's a lot of those kind of songs yeah. where... They're not necessarily taking pop shots at people, shots. but they're taking um, their experiences and that kind of viewpoint and mm. putting it into country music for not just easy listening, but also alter, alter, kind of alternative rock in, in a
1: bit. Okay, all right. It's very hard-hitting. I really liked yeah. it. Nice. You would like it. You're probably taking some inspiration there from Miranda Lambert, who yes, has also played are. around with that kind of both thematic... Uh, 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 area and also sound, like especially sound. off the, her yeah.
0: last album, Wild
1: Card. Yes. yes, yes, Um, that's great. Yeah, this could be seen as like a sister
0: album to that. Cool, I really liked it. Um, but caveat is that it is country. Oh, yeah, and it's not quite like a breakup album like John Party's album was, but still in the same kind of um genre of. <laughs> Mad album? Sure. I mean, what explains the title. Right. The Madness. The Madness. Yes. Volume 1. Which does mean I expect a volume 2 coming oh. out later this year. That would be great. And then when that happens, maybe we'll put them back together and who
1: knows? We'll see how it goes and then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I will definitely check this out. I almost pulled the trigger on it. Did not have time yesterday. But yeah, um, sounds sounds right up my alley. Um, yep. Yeah. Turn, it's yeah. good songwriting. It continues... It continues to be the media bo- p- uh, podcast opinion that women are doing the best in country music right now, so pay attention to them. Yes. Uh, because it's very easy to focus on men because country radio does. Yes, they, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so keep that in mind, that a lot of women are doing great things in country music. You just need to listen to them. So, yeah, cool. It's great news. Yeah. I did not listen to anything this week. Okay. Uh, new. Uh, no, but, but you will be listening to that yeah, Mitski right we'll talk here. about Mitski next week, uh, and Yeah. Uh, side note, if you want to see uh, some of my uh, favorite singles of the week, you can go to my Twitter. I'm at Quacker Drill, Q-U-A-C-K-E-R-D-R-I-L-L, where I post a weekly uh, Friday roundup of songs and albums that I like. Um, there are usually some stuff that's um, that's not super mainstream enough for the podcast, so if you want to kind of have a little deep deeper dive into music, you can check that out. And if you want an explanation for that Twitter handle, you can email us at
0: (laughs) (laughs) mediabookpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Yes. yes.
0: Uh, And we will read your (laughs) comments live on air like we did last episode. It's true. All right. uh, Enough of the plugs. Let's keep rolling in right in here to video games. And we have two releases this upcoming week. Yeah. Uh, Life is Strange, colon, Remastered collection yes. for PS4, Xbox
1: One, and the PC. Don't let those, let those platforms deceive you. You can also play these on PS5 and Xbox Series X as well. Um, this is specifically the remastered collection for Life is Strange 1 before and Before the Storm. This does not include uh, Life is Strange 2. This is mm-hmm. exclusively the first or, or uh, game. Or True Colors. Or True Colors. This is just, well, because course they wouldn't be remastering that yes <laughs> uh, but yeah this is specifically remastered editions of uh the first game and before the storm so if you want to catch up on the original life is strange story if you uh, haven't played those games or if you haven't played those games in the seven years since they came out can you believe that it was seven that years was ago. seven years ago seven wow. years ago um yeah so this is a, a nice uh redone way of revisiting that content um i already own this because if you bought the deluxe edition of true colors this in- was included in that Okay. so I may check this out for next week on uh, on PS5 so we'll see and your big release of the week Dying Light 2 yes. colon stay human so this is on everything except for Switch the Switch yes. uh, version has been delayed to March yes which means come March we'll have Dying Light 2 stay
0: human again but yep. that time for the Switch
1: I should also mention that the Life is Strange remastered stuff is also coming to Switch later yep. end of February I think um cloud version Actually, I don't think so this time. I think that, unlike True Colors, this is just the this is just the normal version.
0: That's why I asked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they can run it, because it's a 360 game. <laughs> That's why.
0: Anyway. Anyways, let's get into some video game news, and we start with more beef. Or rather, Fallout beef. Ooh. Fallout. Um, from uh, last week's big act, uh, Microsoft Activision Blizzard $70 billion acquisition. Yes. You know. Announcement.
1: Yeah, this is just uh, some cleanup about the multi-platform questions some people had about Call of Duty.
0: Yes,
1: so Activision Blizzard is reportedly committed to
0: releasing at least, least <laughs> the next three Call of Duty games for PlayStation consoles. That's according to Bloomberg, um, with sources familiar with the publisher's plans following the $69 nice. billion dollar acquisition by Microsoft.
1: Finally, somebody had the bravery to call it a sixty-nine billion dollar acquisition instead of seventy or sixty-eight point seven. Yes. Sixty nine. Nice.
0: Nice. Anyway. So prior to the (laughs) announcement of Microsoft's takeover plans, Activision had already agreed to make another three Call of Duty games available on both PlayStation and Xbox consoles. Mm -hmm. These are said to be the Modern Warfare 2 from Infinity Ward later this year the new game from Black Ops developer Treyarch next year, Treyarch. and Warzone 2, which is also said to be planned release next year, 2023.
1: So those are roughly three games. If you know, of course, Warzone uh, would is a free-to-play thing, mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily mean it's a Call of Duty title proper, but it means for at least the next couple of years, the exclusivity will not be in effect. Of course, what happens to Call of Duty after that is anyone's guess. Because this, will, of course, moves the timeline when this deal will be finalized. Uh, yeah, at that will... point, Microsoft will be calling the shots. And they will determine what the future of Call of Duty looks like. A lot of signs are pointing to them considering de-annualizing the franchise. Giving these teams a little bit more room to make a maybe a better <sighs> Call of Duty experience. What? Than putting five different teams on it every year. What? I know. It could be wild. It could but be the money. a new vision of what Call of Duty could be under the Microsoft leadership. Of course, that's all speculation. We don't know for sure what Microsoft wants to do for the future of Call of Duty. But at least until 2023, we know roughly what the Call of Duty world is going to look like. And those games will still be on PlayStation. But the money, the money they could be losing year over year. We'll see. The poor money. Yeah. We'll see. It's a business. Money. (laughs) One real quick thing, it's not really news, but I thought it was hilarious. There was a headline that I saw that apparently certain retailers in certain areas have now started putting warnings on PlayStation Mm. consoles. Basically, a sign in their store that says, heads up, before you buy a PlayStation, Microsoft just bought Activision. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious that they think that people care or know what that means if they're buying a PlayStation in a brick and mortar store, yes. <laughs> like no, that person does not exist. The person <laughs> who sees that, it gets. Oh, I need to not. I need to buy an Xbox then. That person you made up. That person doesn't exist. That sign will be gibberish to that, them. That person is buying it for their ten-year-old <laughs> son right, right. or daughter. They, they don't know what an Activision is. They don't know what a Call of Duty is, probably, or maybe they do, and they don't know what that, who makes it. Or maybe they think,
0: oh, my kid's not going to play that game anyways for right. the next five years. He's
1: 10. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That doesn't affect me. I just thought that was a, we- a weird, like, aftermath thing for this. That it's this thing. So, that's what the newest news we know. Um, and we'll, of course, keep you all updated if there's anything that trickles out after this. So, we'll see.
0: Yep. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, the next three Call of Duty named games. Not necessarily in the franchise series right. moving forward, but just yeah. named Call of Duty, yes. whatever. At least. At least until next year. And then who knows after Yes, that. Because um, as reported last week, the deal is expected to close sometime in June of the next year. Yeah, 2023. Yeah. It's a long legal process to merge these two things. Turns out. Well, not merging, just out, sure out buying them. but We'll see. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, we may even see fallout from the Activision Blizzard lawsuits before... They actually get um, purchased, but we'll see.
1: We'll
0: see. However, something that hasn't been bought out yet, (laughs) I say yet. EA, yeah. So, Electronic Arts, EA, has announced an extension of its partnership for good or for bad (laughs) with Lucasfilm Games, which will see um, developer Respawn work on three new Star Wars projects. Three. Can you believe that? Not one. Not two. Right. But three. Three. Um, in the announcement uh, this past Tuesday, the EA officially announced a sequel to Star Wars Jedi, colon, Fallen Order, yeah. along with two new projects in development at new teams within Respawn's hierarchy. Firstly, a new Star Wars first-person shooter game is being held by former LucasArts veteran and Medal of Honor co-creator Pete Hirschman, mm-hmm. who has previously worked on the original Battlefront games,
1: Yeah, The Force Unleashed, and others. Important to note here, there was a recent story about Respawn making another kinetic shooter um, project. That is separate from this. A lot of people were conflating the stories when this first got announced, thinking, oh, that thing they were talking about last week? That must be the Star Wars game. Well, no. Respawn has now made it clear that those still are two separate pro- products. So that thing might still be the rumored Titanfall 3 that mm-hmm. a lot of people think they're secretly working on. That is a, So that remains separate from this new Star Wars shooter.
0: Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Respawn's third Star Wars project is a strategy game developed through a production collaboration with BitReactor... Which is the studio formed by yeah. veterans of XCOM and Civilization Studios, uh, Fryaxis, Axis. Fryaxis yeah. Games. Respawn will produce the new Star Wars strategy game, while Bit Reactor leads on the development right. of the title.
1: So yeah, that's just to say that they're not developing it as much. Uh, they're just producing it. But Bit Reactor is kind of under their leadership. So... So yeah, a shooter and a strategy game, and also a sequel to uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which a lot of people did like. Yep. So um, I think that there's promise for all three of those. Respawn's a great developer. A lot of people love Apex Legends, and Titanfall 2 is great. So I trust them. And hey, most notably, what's not here, and a lot of people point this out, Battlefront 3. Yes. It seems like they're abandoning the Battlefront franchise after the fracas that was Battlefield 2. or Battlefront, Battlefront 2. 2. So, I don't blame them. No. You know what I want to see? Okay, what? A Mando game. Uh, You know what? I mean, when you hear about a first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe, that does link together. You do have a character who is, like, exploring shit and shooting stuff. So, maybe. Maybe. You do have a
0: good kind of... Um, God of War style um, yeah. parent-child
1: <laughs> relationship. Yes. There, I want to see the yes, the the co-op game where player two controls Baby Yoda. <laughs> it's Grogu. Whatever you know it. <laughs> Who
0: cares? I care. <laughs> anyway. where you send Grogu on miss- little missions like yeah. here, squeeze into this little space, like, like the like Clank missions in Clank. Exactly, it works. It works. EA make
1: that game. We just pitched a game. There you go. Just do that.
0: Just do that. <laughs> Anyways. There you go. That, that'll that sell a lot of game yeah. Matter. All right. Anyway. Anyways. um. So, we didn't mention new releases because we talked about it last week. Right. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. Uh, came out this past Friday.
1: Yes. It's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, we haven't played it yet. We will talk about it next week. We will get our copies probably today. So Most likely today. Yes. So, which means we will have our full thoughts yes. on it. If not next week,
0: the following week, which is good breaks. because
1: I think the one the one problem with doing these shows on Friday is that for video games that need a lot of time to gestate, mm-hmm. we have one day basically to talk about them. So yeah, we also have music that has one day to gestate. Yeah, but that's different. Uh, I can I can understand an <laughs> album in one day. I cannot understand a video game in one day. Uh, so yeah, maybe expect a week uh, for us to really talk about new video game releases in proper fashion. Yes, but. I did manage to play a couple video games this week. that did come out last week. What were you playing besides Wordle? (laughs) Besides Wordle, I jumped into a couple of uh, Game Pass games that launched on the service last week. First up, hey, do you remember the uh, Xbox 360-era game Guacamelee? Uh, Yes, because that was also a PlayStation game. Yes, it was. It was on all platforms. So Drinkbox Games, the uh, developer of Guacamelee, their new game is Nobody Saves the World. And it is a top-down... Zelda-like um that is uh, also kind of a grinding game hmm. that is based on the premise of you uh name a kind of formless hero the titular nobody um is kind of plopped into a fantasy world and must um I don't know do some fantasy stuff to basically conquer dungeons and get further in 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 this fantasy world to discover a missing wizard or something like that. The plot's not really important. Do fantasy, be fantasy. Yeah, exactly. The the plot's not important because what matters here is the gameplay. And this nobody has a power to transform into non-nobodies. Different, basically, classes of characters that have their own powers. Their powers can be expanded by grinding through the dungeons, by killing enemies, and basically doing achievement-style quests say kill 10 enemies using this power uh use this power for uh, this sounds 20 minutes and kind of similar but in uh, but, but video games so imagine like the more you do a thing with a character the better that character is going to be you get points to like uh put into those uh powers to make them better and there's lots of options and these range across the gamut of Being a little rat that can chew through enemies and go through small holes. Or a knight in shining armor that has a Zelda-like sword pattern. Or being an archer that can do long-distance archery attacks. Or being a mermaid that can shoot little bubbles of water towards enemies. Or being a slug that has the power to go really quickly across spaces by making a slime trail in front of it. It also introduces a, like extra level of like rock paper scissors typing kind of advantage where certain enemies have type uh, armor that you need to like say use a poison attack first before it becomes vulnerable to other enemies. Which means that you need to be swapping forms on the fly sometimes to get the to get the past those defenses. The dungeons are not super puzzle heavy; they're more combat. So, for example. A pub, the game's version of the puzzle will be, oh, you come across a wall that's like kill 30 enemies before you can go past this wall and then you kind of have to do that. So on paper it sounds like this would be kind of annoying because it seems like the, with the, the the entire concept is based on grinding out enemies. You might be like, uh, this sounds kind of annoying. but what they do to improve that is really dig into the uh, a, like a gamer's need for numbers to go up. Everything is represented represented in a in a basically a bar that's constantly growing, right? Yes. So if you say a change to the slug and you're like, "Oh, the slug only needs like three more enemies to kill with this bubble attack for it to move on to the next level, I could do that. Imagine that, but constantly a constant treadmill of that. Yes. So it turns a game based on grinding into something that kind of elicits that gorilla brain that everybody <laughs> has about trying to get better. It's like, um, so don't let me play this game? <laughs> pretty much. He would destroy you because you'd be constantly on the edge of like, oh, I need to upgrade this guy. Oh, the knight is almost upgraded. Oh, but I also have the, the mermaid powers almost here. It's literally trying to get you to it do that.
0: a bit like Ratchet & Clank where you're trying to upgrade your guns every time. Similar to that, it also, also reminds up.
1: me of the feeling of uh, back in the day playing Call of Duty 4 and yes. over and over again and trying to get that M- uh, M16 to the next level because you only need three more headshots. Yep. It's that same kind of... And when like, you do, you unlock the new scope and that's going right. to help you better. Yes, exactly. It's exactly that. The game knows what it's doing. And it's if that sounds appealing to you, if you like when the numbers go up and you don't mind a little bit repetitive gameplay, nobody saves the world. It's so, a fun time. It's not repetitive if it's fun. Right. Is
0: it fun to grind?
1: It's pretty fun. Okay. Um, I'm having a good time with it so far. I did have one little hiccup with it. I finally got to like the first like big castle um, after I, gr- I grinded for a little bit to get uh, the 15 stars to open it. Uh, once I in, was in there, I died, and I did not realize you get sent outside of the dungeon when you die, which means that I had to redo all of what I did, and so I turned the game after, off after that. Was Wait, like, is there no save? So there's no mid-dungeon save until oh. you get to the boss. So it's Zelda-like in that manner. Does that Zelda-like? make it a road like that? Kind of, but not really, because... It's more like a Zelda dungeon, because classic Zelda, oh. a lot of the handhelds specifically, like Minish Cap comes to mind, would do a thing where you once you got to a certain point in the dungeon, right before a mini-boss or a boss, it would have basically a, a respawn or a checkpoint thing mm-hmm. that could send you back to the beginning of the dungeon, say, if you need to, like, pick up something you missed. Or, after you beat the boss, you can teleport right back to the exit, essentially. This game does that. Okay. So... It will save your progress once you get to the boss. So if you die at a boss, it doesn't send you outside of the dungeon. It just sends you to outside the boss. But if you die before that,
0: it
1: you, you lose that back. dungeon progress okay. and you have to start over. So that was the one moment where I was like, I don't really feel like doing all that again. It also means because you're juggling between those different uh, forms constantly... It does give you kind of like a a little bit like, ah, but I like the Archer better. I wish I could just play the Archer the whole time instead of having to switch back to the rat because he's the only one that has the poison power. Right. So those are two little nitpicks that maybe get in the way of you enjoying this. But I think that if you're somebody who is like really into those like leveling up things in video games and if that constant treadmill sounds appealing to you... You will have a blast with Nobody Saves the World. So it's free on Game Pass. If you already have Game Pass, um, if not, I believe that it is about twenty dollars on other platforms. Okay. So uh, check it out. I think it's a good time.
0: I might uh, no like don't. said, so let's check it out. But then I have Pokemon coming. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> might have. Yeah,
1: it's it's not something that because you will want to spend a lot of time with this. Yes. So maybe wait till after Pokemon to give it a shot. Yeah. But. I might need it on the Switch
0: too, so I can yeah.
1: play it while doing other stuff. It might be on. I think it's on the Switch, so I think, it's on I think it would be a really good Switch game. Yep. So. Also, in uh, some things, I I spent a lot of uh, a little bit of time, not nearly as much time as Nobody Saves the World. I played a little bit. I mean, it's not on the Switch. No, it's on Xbox only. I guess it's uh, Xbox for now. Don't be surprised if, like, a year or so, it comes to other, or, or maybe six months, even comes to other platforms. Yep. But um, yeah, um. The other game I played yeah, on Game Don's Pass team. this week right, was um, uh, a long-coming sequel to a game that uh, many people might not know about. Have you ever played Windjammers? I have heard of the name long ago. Yes. So Windjammers was an arcade classic back in the day. A Basically a, um, a frisbee... A frisbee, one-on-one tennis equivalent or volleyball equivalent. Remember disc jam?
0: Yeah, I remember. This
1: predates disc jam, but okay. disc jam was ba- like loosely based on the concepts introduced in wind jammers. Basically, okay. one-on-one, uh, tossing a disc back and forth over a net, trying to get it past the other player. Imagine a more humanized pong. Essentially, is what what di- uh, uh, um, wind jammers is. It spices up a little bit just like Disc Jam later did by adding like special powers that you have. You have a special that you can do, every character has a different special once a charge meter has been charged. There's different like twiddles of the sticks that you can do to like send curved mm-hmm. discs. Not in the same way as disc jam. Disc jam made it a little bit more intuitive. Yeah. This yeah. is a little bit more classic arcade where you then, really have to slam like the quarter circle fighting game style to really get that uh, curve to happen. Yeah. So finally, after years of that being a tournament classic, especially in France, where I understand that the disc jammers scene, or with that combine the two, wind jammers scene is very popular and it's very popular for a tournament play in France. Well, French Studio decides to finally make a sequel uh, <laughs> and call it Wind Jammers 2. And it is extremely faithful to the original. Updated visuals, of course, everything's mm-hmm. in HD and looks great, but it's wind jammers and it doesn't have any like, well, any qualms about that? I was like, when I went into it, I was like, I feel like I need to watch a tutorial to really know what I'm, ha- what I'm, what's happening here. Well, their tutorial was not even a video; it was a series of slides, essentially saying uh. this button does this, this button does this, with like a little like like picture of what it does. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is all you're giving me. So. Let me warn you, if you are an absolute beginner, this game does not play nice with beginners. Mm -hmm. I lost my first game immediately in the arcade mode. The first game, because I was like kind of struggling with the moves. So if you played a lot of Windjammers 1, you have an advantage here, because that means you're going in with already experience playing a game like this. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't, it is not friendly. So I've heard from a lot of people who also have played a lot of the online uh, that the servers aren't great right now, especially for the first week there were some jitters about people finding matches. It's also on Game Pass and not available in the same form on PlayStation, so it might be harder Mm. to find a PlayStation uh, uh, competitor online because it's not readily available like it is to Xbox people. So that might also be like a little wrinkle keeping you from enjoying Winjammers 2, but if you do like Windjammers and if you wanted a sequel for years, this is finally it. It gives you everything you want. The only real big change I think they made is that instead of having to charge shots for your special, it now in special automatically accumulates. So within like three sets, you'll have that special charged up and ready to go. Yeah. So in that way, it's a little friendlier. But otherwise, it is not beginner friendly. And so just be aware that you there's a learning curve here. But... Under the surface, you though? You mean a throwing curve. Ah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but under that surface, though, it is uh, there's a lot of fun to be had, and it's still a great multiplayer game. So, yeah. All right. yeah. I think, ultimately, I still prefer Disc Jam. Yes. Because it's a little intu- more intuitive, and I also like the behind-the-back perspective a little bit better than the top-down perspective that the Windjammer series does. But, you know, mileage may vary on that, so oh, it depends definitely. on what you're used to. All right. But it's, uh, hey, Game Pass. Check it out if you want to, If you want to uh, give it a try.
0: Yeah. Um, lastly, real quick news. Um, yes. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, the games for February have been announced. They are EA's uh, Sports UFC 4, mm-hmm. Planet yeah. Coaster colon Console Edition, yeah. and Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep colon A Wonderland's nice. One-Shot Adventure.
1: Right, so a couple notes about this. Um... The Planet Coaster is the PS5 game, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that PS gives you the PS4 version. No, just also it's, it might just be PS5. The other two are PS4. Oh, a note about the Assault on Dragon Keep that was originally released as DLC for Borderlands 2. Yes. So this was a, this, but if you buy this, this was a, this is a standalone game that does not require Borderlands 2 to be installed. So if you missed it the first time, this is a way to catch up on the concept that underlies. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is coming out in a couple months.
0: Yes, but if you're a subscriber, about four months ago when they gave you um, the the hand, uh, Borderlands the right. Handsome Collection, then you
1: already have it. Came too. with yeah this on Dragons keep DLC. So just note that if you already own that, this is the same thing. Yes,
0: and also if you're a fan of the Rollercoaster Tycoon series, that's what Planet Coaster is. Yes, it's uh, they just couldn't call it Rollercoaster Tycoon. Due to legal reasons, because of different developers and who owns the IP. So they did the exact same game, but renamed yeah. it Planet Coaster.
1: Yeah, I, uh, uh, my old roommate played a lot of this on the Xbox uh, so and seemed to have a good time with it. A lot of people who are into that kind of, have nostalgia for uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon and really like Planet Coaster. So should get Mark I'm... to play it. <laughs> it would be too much for him. He'd be like, no, this is too new. He'd be like, I don't like that it's 3D.
0: Uh, i'll oh. get the doctor to play it she likes yeah she might have a good she time likes the roller coaster and stuff so yeah there you go all right uh, anything else in video games then uh, i think that does it. i don't think i have anything else so let's move on
1: to uh television yeah let's take it into tv and we always start television with the sports corner which is always behind us and on my hat of course the big sports news is all about the NFL we are straight to the Super Bowl with a couple more games before we know who competes in it. Yes, in the big game. Yes, in the big game. Sorry, yes, we can't. Legally. No, we can, we can say Super Bowl. We're not being paid for this. In fact, we're paying to do this. It's the opposite of that. Yes. Anyway. Uh, well,
0: yes, no profit.
1: So there were a handful of headlines this week in the world of football. Yes. Um, a couple of moving parts here. Ben, roethlisberger big ben big ben himself has finally officially retired from his career with the steelers so yep. uh expect number seven to be retired
0: for yes, the steelers i imagine um in about two years when they actually put his name up in the hall of fame or not the hall of fame but like the ring of honor and then five i think it's five years post-retirement He'll get. Uh, he'll definitely be first ballot Hall of Famer.
1: Oh, for sure. He's played a lot of, of classic games in that Super uniform. Bowl two, yeah. two Super Bowl championships, two. I believe. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, uh, long time coming, and in the wake of Aaron Rodgers, at least he's like also kind of an asshole, but at least <laughs> like at least he's not maybe as big. I don't know. Actually, that's kind of an asshole fight right there. I don't know who's the bigger asshole. Well,
0: who you ask? Uh, are you asking Antonio <laughs> Brown? Or are you asking his motorcycle?
1: Oh boy. Anyways. <laughs> uh, also, in retirement news this week in the NFL, Sean Payton has retired from the Saints. Yes. Uh, before everyone starts keeping praise on Sean Payton,
0: yeah. leaving, um, you know, after Drew Brees left, and staying for the one year. <laughs> um, please do remember that Sean Payton is also one who instigated Bounty Gate. Um, during the 07, 08 seasons where he and his staff paid players to injure yeah. other players
1: so basically if you learn anything from this podcast this week cuz the NFL is full of assholes
0: that being said <laughs> the NFL
1: celebrates yes
0: these assholes
1: and speaking of celebrating assholes sorry had to uh, it, it was the, the segue was right there. I know. Uh, the good news is is that Tom Brady is not in the Super Bowl this year because the Buccaneers were eliminated. The two teams that remain in the playoffs are the Rams and the 49ers. In an NFC West Championship showdown. Yeah, California battle. For the battle. NFC Championship title. Yep, California battle. Yep. And the Chiefs and the Bengals out of nowhere here. So uh, who will win? We'll go to the Super Bowl. Yes. Um, We'll see. That game is significant because this is the fourth
0: time the Chiefs have hosted the AFC Championship. No other team has done that in four straight years. Also, no person in the entirety of the world has ever texted the Bengals' lost a playoff game. And and this might happen. No, it won't. Because (laughs) Joe (laughs) Burrow... Good. No, it won't. Because also... Conversely, Joe Burrow (laughs) has not lost a playoff Ah, game that he has been in. All right. Um, Yeah, so similar to last week where we said that someone finally texted that Bengals won a playoff game. Yeah. It also means that no one has ever texted (laughs) that
1: they have lost a playoff game. So um, what's your call here? Uh, I'm going to say non-biased because I know (laughs) you're a huge Rams fan here. What do you think your Super Bowl picture looks like this year? um Rams Bengals. Okay. You think that biased side that they can they can take it to the 49ers. So, the Rams yeah. already
0: lost twice
1: to right. the 49ers this year. <laughs> yeah. So you think you can't, can't possibly you, yes. lose again? <laughs> no,
0: you can't possibly lose again. That'd just be
1: <laughs> unfathomably stupid if you did. <laughs> but what if what if the world is fathom unfathomably stupid? We've a lot of proof that it might be. Yes. Uh, so, here's the one way they will win. Okay.
0: Jimmy G gets hurt. Trey Lance comes in and wins the game because no one knows how to guard Trey Lance. <laughs> because <laughs> Trey Lance has played a total of one full game okay. before getting injured.
1: Well, I suppose we will see
0: what And, happen- the, and then you have, um, I mean, I guess we should at least mention the epic game that we've shown... Forever in the Chiefs-Bills playoff game. If you did not see it, and I know you didn't. No. (laughs) Three different scoring changes within the last, like, 90 seconds of the game. Minute and a half of the game. Damn. The Chiefs scored with 13 seconds left on the clock to send it to overtime. It also... I'm going to send the game to overtime, and the Chiefs won the coin Toss, and... Um, sent it to overtime and they won there. And then immediately following that, calls for changing the overtime rules in football were right. sent everywhere.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the other big story this week: is con- people going back and forth about whether that change needs to happen going forward. I say no. The other, the other kind of half of that was people saying how good those games were. A lot yes. of people were praising like the, just how fun they were to watch. So you got out of the the yin and yang of football conversation this week. So, I can see the rule
0: being changed, mm. um, but not to the current rule that it is, mm. where we stop play, it's a coin toss. If they're going to change it, they should just basically add a 10-minute quarter. Okay. And whatever the score is at the end of those 10, those 10 minutes is the game. Is the game. What if it's a tie? So it becomes a tie? No, then, you add for, uh, then it's a tie in uh, overtime. Or Uh, in the regular season.
1: But if it's playoff, you have to continue playing playing. 10 minutes. So so you're basically saying baseball rules, where you could have a game go to several, several, several overtimes. Yeah. Until there's not a tie. Yes,
0: but in doing that,
1: you're not... See, that's why they don't want to do that. Because Because, you don't want that. Because it's also not baseball. The thing is is that football is constant action. You can't tax the players.
0: I, I will say this, though, that... People bring up the baseball rules constantly. Like, <laughs> oh, like, if someone hits a home run in the top of the first or the top yeah. of the 10th, that's it. They just call the game. I'm like, okay, sure, they could do that. But tell me how the defense could score a point. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how right. de- play, base, players on defense playing baseball... Can score a point to win right. in the top of the first. It's a different... The the ninth,
1: yeah, it's just seventh. a fundamental difference between the two. You can't do that. Defense that's not a thing. has the ability to come back. They have the ability to try to strip the ball, to try to make an interception. Like, there's some things that defense can do in football that can prompt that. Right. And that's
0: the whole point of the coin toss. It's, right. okay, like, we want the ball. We say we can score on you. And it's actually why they changed the rule the first time. Yeah. Originally, it was just, next score wins. But what people would do is they'd either get down to like the twenty, and then kick it on first down because right. all they need is a field goal to win, or they'd stall out about the thirty or forty and right. kick a forty-yard field goal to win. Right, right. Basically, this this changed because Peyton Manning kept getting screwed over in overtime. Yeah. Um, so they said, okay, if you kick a field goal, because that's what they were doing against them, that's all they needed to win, mm-hmm. if you kick a field goal, the other team now gets a chance. But if you score a touchdown, that's it, game over, because it's yeah. a lot harder to score a touchdown. Yeah,
1: and so you're right. No, the, the key about about the, the debate, really, is whether how much you believe the defense in football is about preventing the offense, or about trying to make an offensive play, because defense has the power to do that. Yes. So really, that's, I think, where the tipping point for a lot of people, is a lot of people are like, no... Like, that's really rare and shouldn't be the focus of the defense. Or the other people who are like, no, they should be actively trying to get that ball. Yeah. I mean, if
0: you solely focus it on the offensive players, you're discounting half the team. Actually, over half the team. Right. Because you're discounting both the uh, defensive players, but also the special teams players as well. Yeah. And only focusing on those 11 to 20 guys assigned specifically for offense. Right. Right.
1: Well, we could talk about football rules all day. But we okay, need listen to move me stepping off that soapbox. Yes, down, thank you. Because right. I've
0: seen this debate over no, you're right. on social media, and I'm
1: like, no, you guys are wrong. Yeah. You're focusing on the wrong thing. I tend to agree with you, and I saw the exact same take. Uh, somebody on, I follow on Twitter, their reaction was like, I actually don't think they should change it because people are ignoring defense. Yes, like people just pretend that it's every other sport and don't think about it.
0: Yeah, right. And then people hear, like about the baseball thing are like, yeah, but baseball doesn't score it's not on defense. The
1: same. It's thing. not the same thing. You can't yeah. do that. For many reasons. Yes. The reason you said. And also because it's a different animal. Like, a lot of baseball standing around. You can't just stand around in football. I mean, you could. It just would be a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Also, fun fact.
0: If you ever ask this trivia question, yeah. baseball is the only sport where the defense controls the ball. That's true.
1: That is true. Ha <laughs> yeah. ha. Yeah. Weird but true. Weird but true. Anyway. Anyways. Speaking of weird but true. <laughs> no. I actually don't have a segue for that, but, uh. Well, this is weird, but true.
0: We are in the final <laughs> days of the Washington football team.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, because the Washington football team's new name is going to be supposedly revealed on Wednesday the 2nd. And yes, Washington football team is still up for consideration. Yeah, so uh, we could just live with that, which I think would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, or there could be an actual name here. Do you know of any settled out about any of the names that they're trying to settle on? Uh,
0: I believe both Red Wolves and Generals were the Red top Wolves. two. Huh? Red, Red
1: Wolves. Yeah, the Red Wolves. I hate that. Yeah. Ugh.
0: And Generals were the other two top names to um, that I saw.
1: Generals would be funny because there's already been teams called the Washington Generals. Yes.
0: Yes. But that's also why. Yeah, I guess so. I'm saying, so like with the Cleveland Guardians, right? Yeah. There's some. There's specific meanings behind it. Yeah.
1: I don't like either of them, to be honest. No. But definitely not Red Wolves. Ew. It just makes me think of Red Wall. Red, Red Walls. <laughs> yeah, right. and also, I don't think that, I don't want them to have red anywhere in their name because it does evoke that old name that yes. I'd rather not think about. Right? I don't know. In My opinion: just keep the Washington Football Team forever. That's just it's, just I mean, it's just funny. It's just funny. No, I just funny.
0: You have to call them the the New York Football Giants. <laughs> yeah, right. It's
1: still funny every time they do it. Yep. Anyway. Let's move on. Uh, Moving out of football, uh, your number six, Rafael Nadal, and your number two, Dmitry Medvedev, are facing off for the A.O. Men's Singles Final. Yep, the Australian Open is coming to an end here. Yes. Number six versus number two, ranked seeds. Going at it. Going at it. Meanwhile, in the Women's Singles Championship in the Australia Open, number one, Ashley Barty, has beaten number 27, Danielle Collins, to win. Yep, for the Women's Signals Championships. Yes. And... First Australian player to win in 44 years. Yep, that is the fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. So, Australians don't typically win the Australian <laughs> Open, unfortunately. So, that's a good exception to Yes, uh, that is also uh, 44 years on
0: both men's, either men's and women's side. Well, there you go.
1: And then before we move into the big uh, uh, sports story this week, just a real quick reminder that the Winter Olympics opening ceremony will take place on Friday, the 4th of February. So if you're looking forward to some Olympic action, that is when it all starts. Yep. Um, so we'll have talk about the opening
0: ceremonies next week, next week, as well as all the kind of fallout from
1: what's going on with the Olympic Games yes. next week. But in the meantime, baseball uh, had its big um, uh, news this week in the Hall of Fame decisions. Uh, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, Big Poppy. Um, him of the big lunch uh, finally <laughs> I gotta watch a lot of those again those are always funny shout out to Keenan um, the only player this year selected for the Hall of Fame um, by the Baseball Writers Association of America He joins the six men voted in by the Golden Days and early baseball-era committees back in December, who were Jim Catt and Tony Oliva, and the late Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, and Buck O'Neill. Meanwhile, those names that were on watch as their last year of eligibility, including Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, and Curt Schilling, all failed to make the Hall of Fame in their final year. So, if you were really hoping that they would have a chance that chance is over yep um those uh conversely though um
0: uh, if you were on the ballot and you did receive and you received under five percent of the vote you also
1: yes. didn't make it and those names include tim Linsicum. yeah tim Linsicum. ryan howard jonathan Papelbon, 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 prince fielder and carl crawford who all will be dropped yep they'll be dropped from future ballots So yeah, uh, of course, this continues the debate about whether the reasoning for uh, players like Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, and Curt Schilling should have been in the Hall of Fame. Media vote podcast opinion classically has been yes. Um,
0: So with this newest, or this final, I guess, ballot, it means that the the hits leader in the MLB, Pete Rose, not in the Hall of Fame. Right. The home runs leader. Not in the Hall of Fame. Also not in the home runs, <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. In uh, Barry Bonds And the Cy Young <laughs> leader. Yes. of no, Kirk Schilling. None also of them. not in the Hall of Fame. None of them. So, that begs the question then.
1: What is the baseball Hall well, of Fame? No.
0: No. <laughs> if they're not in the Hall of Fame, yeah, why do the records still stand? I mean, those are two different things. I don't agree with you there. Because I feel like... If you're going to discount them... Yeah. From the
1: game and say their achievements don't count, yeah. Why do their records because so the records count? are the records they exist no matter what? The records are separate from the Hall of Fame and they the, the records are to be beaten. And so the goal is, well, beat those records and be a better player than them. Yeah. the Hall of Fame but is separate, the Hall of Fame is viewed as this, but if you're saying that those players cheated and yeah, skirted the rules of the game. <laughs> then why are the why are the records, right? records still matter? I don't know. It's just because the thing happened and it happened, I think what you're arguing here is more about why isn't the Hall of Fame also recognizing that these things happen? Oh, they should. And that's what I'm saying. Is that it shouldn't be? Well, both don't matter. It should be they both should matter. And that's I think the argument that really matters here is that it's stupid in our opinion. That the Hall of Fame did not ad- admit that, yes, even though there was stuff going on under the hood there, um, that happened and it still happened. Also, it's kind of like what we keep bringing up, which is the Time Magazine kind of argument, which is the man of the year is not necessarily the man of the year because he was great. Was of the man year. Of the, uh, yeah, well, back in the day. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, the question, like, it should be about, like, well, did they make an impact? Yes, no, is
0: what the answer yes. is. It wasn't, was the impact good? It wasn't right. who was the most important. It who was mattered. the biggest impact of yeah. the year.
1: Who mattered? And these people mattered, regardless of whether they followed the rules or not. Mm-hmm. Um, should it, Should they add? Of course not. But that's neither here nor there. It should be the history of the sport. And the history does get dark sometimes and should still represent that dark side. That's actually what's listed
0: in the plaque as you yep. enter the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. The second line is literally that this is a museum dedicated to the history of baseball. Right. Both good and bad. That's the If fun. you're ignoring the bad part here of the steroid era, yeah. then you're not living up to the name yeah. on the plaque of this entrance.
1: But apparently, since this is the last time we'll have this conversation, maybe, um, they've made a choice here to make the Hall of Fame pure. And to do that is, what I guess, their final decision, and there's no changing it. Ah, but here's the thing, though, that
0: this is only the Baseball Writers Association right. of America for Hall of Fame. Yeah. And as we literally just mentioned, there right. are committees, yes. the Golden Days and the Early Baseball Era committees, yes. who can dedicate or can nominate players who are no longer eligible on the Hall of Fame ballot yeah. to be elected into the Hall of Fame. So it's possible, but very unlikely. Oh, I say in about 10 years from now. Okay, mark my words. Uh-huh. By 2030.
1: By 2030, okay.
0: Yes, we will still be doing this podcast. Somehow. By 2030, God, there will
1: be... I will be 40 years old. Don't think about it that much. But think
0: about this. <laughs> that by the time 2030 comes yes. around, uh-huh. we'll have a new commissioner. Uh-huh. We'll also have new baseball committees. Right. And in within some time in those committees... You will see Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling, and Pete Rose. Uh-huh. Maybe Roger Clemens. I don't know. Maybe maybe Roger it, Clemens in the inaugural, uh-huh. like uh, whatever you want to call that era.
1: Yeah. this the, the, Ster- the, they call it officially the steroid era.
0: Yeah, but Pete Rose wasn't a part of it. But I figured he <laughs> right, should also be yeah. in it. So grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah, grandfather did as the inaugural class
1: sure. of whatever that you want whatever to call, they it. call that
0: the, the black mark era. So or whatever. Saying,
1: yeah. So you're saying that there's they may have to just force it by an, uh, introducing an alternate title. Yes, which they could do now. I mean, you could always do it. Yeah. You call it the black mark community,
0: like, and then like people like players who had achievements on the field, but also yeah. had black marks off the yeah. field yeah. that affected on the field performance
1: or whatever so we'll see uh but it doesn't look likely in the next decade oh i'm saying within the next decade so that's all speculation on our part yes we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but we need to move on uh lastly
0: in mlb news (laughs) yes and it'll be the show yes we'll have a new cover athlete
1: so monday as a monday so before next week's show we will know who the cover athlete cover athlete of the show 22 will be all signs point to Shohei Otani. How could it not be? So it will become the Shohei. twenty yes, twenty-three. the Shohei twenty twenty two. No, twenty two. We always do the year of because yeah. of how baseball season works. Yes, yeah, because unlike year. other sports, they baseball season happens in one calendar year. Yes, yeah. so, so so the, the it Shohei twenty twenty two. Yeah, the Shohei twenty twenty two. Look forward to it on yep. Monday. Anyways, let's move on into other television stories. We have a couple yes. of television stories for you here. First up, a little Jeopardy update. When we last left our Jeopardy, uh, the big news was Amy Schneider, who was on fire as a champion on Jeopardy. So on fire, in fact, she continued to win 40 straight games, which passed James hours and Modio's records to become the second most winningest games in a regular season of Jeopardy. Yep, um, they both
0: stalled out at thirty. Well, I don't want to say stalled out, but they both right. won yes. thirty three and
1: thirty eight respectively. Um, respectively. So Amy Schneider post uh, passed both of them, only second, of course, to all time record and current host Ken Jennings uh, with his seventy four wins back in two thousand four. Her total winnings uh, before she unfortunately lost on that forty first night um, were one million three hundred eighty two thousand eight hundred dollars. And she will return, of course, for the churning of the champions when it happens this fall. She ultimately lost to a multimedia librarian on a final Jeopardy answer, the answer of which was Bangladesh.
0: I guess the question was Bangladesh? Yeah, the
1: question. What, yes. is, what is Bangladesh? But yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, Amy Schneider went down, but, not, uh, but uh, don't worry. That librarian dude lost the next night. <laughs> Spoiler alert. As, as I've heard. As what happens all the time. Uh, That's traditionally what happens. I believe the lady who beat Ken also lost the next night. So yeah, um, good run for Amy Schneider. She now has the record of the most winningest woman in Jeopardy! history as well. Game show history as well. Also, probably important to note, she also makes the the best uh, playing transgender uh, 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 competitor on Jeopardy! as well. Also, may have changed the way that people talk about the game forever, mm-hmm. because Ken Jennings mentioned on Twitter that the game will now have a more sports data approach to how they report on it. He said that one of the things he wanted to do as a producer was have the conversation switch from Jeopardy! being entertainment to being a competition, and so now they'll be more open with data, like number of uh, questions answered in a game. I've seen more. this yes. on
0: Facebook uh, after after yeah. the West Coast
1: shows. Yeah. That they'll
0: post the data of how the players got right, how they right. got wrong, how, what's their he, accuracy
1: and buzzing. He wants the conversation to change about Jeopardy from being a fun watch to being about. From trivia to competition. Be a competi- Like, basically write it as if it's a sport, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. And I think that Amy Schneider is one of the reasons why that happened, is because yes. the way she played was very much like, not like anything we'd seen before. Very quick, very like casual almost mm-hmm. in the way that she approached it very different from what we've seen a lot of Jeopardy champions do and it worked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing it as the new world of Jeopardy that we're entering going into this rest of the year uh, changes in her wake. So, cool. also still no word on permanent host but no. Ken Jennings pretty much killed it now. I mean, he's doing such a good job. I can't imagine they don't eventually yes. get the job to him. I can't imagine. It'll be weird going back to Maya and Bialik after this.
0: Well, she'll be doing the um... The celebrity. Right. And the primetime. The primetime prime tournaments. Yeah. So we'll see. So we'll see.
1: Anyways, let's move on to our second story, which uh, takes us from Jeopardy! to another intellectual channel, PBS. So this is a show that the us has watched in probably 20 years? <laughs> uh, or at all. Like, really, as a kid, I, I mean... Oh, you missed this as a kid? I occasionally watch the theme song, because it's a banger. Uh, <laughs> but I did not watch the show proper, but a uh, friend of the show, Christy, is a big fan. Yes. Arthur. PBS Kids' classic, Arthur, will begin its 25th and final season next month. Shown in 80 countries, Arthur has won seven Emmy Awards and a Peabody. The books by Mark Brown that inspired the series have sold nearly 70 million copies since the first edition was published back in 1976. The Emmy Award-winning series will come to an end on February 21st after airing four new episodes in a special marathon. Arthur was the longest-running kids animated series on television, airing more than 250 episodes and a movie in its 25 seasons. Although this will conclude the making of new episodes for the series as we know it, Arthur will still be around, though, because PBS plans to create a podcast, video shorts, and digital games based on the Arthur property. So Arthur will not go away, but Arthur as we know it as a series will finally come to an end Mm -hmm. after just a... Wildly long run. 25 years. 25 seasons seasons of Arthur. So there's yeah. some kids who never lived in a world that Arthur did not exist. There are kids graduating college <laughs> yeah,
0: who've only lived only in an Arthur world. Arthur world. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> Can you believe that? I am old. Oh, believe it? I am wait, old now. Yeah, believe it. I there's probably <laughs> kids that are graduating from grad school right now that have only lived in an Arthur world. Yeah. So, yeah, think about it that way. I try
0: not to. Yeah. But then I have like all these like existential, oh my God. So.
1: I am old. Time has
0: flown by me. Where is it going? Mean,
1: needless to say, it's a wonderful kind of day. Huh. So thank Arthur. Thank, <laughs> so we should thank Arthur for uh, telling us how to live and play. Yes. Laugh and play. Live, laugh, and play. something. Anyways, Arthur. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, those final four episodes, uh, there will be a time skip. Oh, So you, can, so you will see them in. Arthur Shapuna. Our adult form uh, for the final <laughs> right. episodes. All right.
1: I'm ready for adult Arthur. Maybe he'll finally actually beat somebody up with that fist that he just has balled up <laughs> on the side. Um. Anyways. And maybe a DW will learn how to read so she can finally enter that room. <laughs> All right. Let's, I only know Arthur means. Anyways. Let's move on. Two thoughts. Did you watch anything this week? Uh, I watched a week long, yes, uh, kind of best of
0: episodes of Friends on Nick at Night. Yeah. Now I know I could just watch Friends on. <laughs> you could just watch Friends. You could just watch Friends on uh, <laughs> HBO Max. Oh, is that HBO Max? Now? Yeah,
1: they took it Jesus Max. Christ, I don't know anymore. <laughs> and I have,
0: and I could do that again. You could do that. You could but, continue. I wouldn't be able to play trivia oh. because Big at Night trivia this past week. All right, uh, specifically on Friends.
1: How how good are you? Turns out, as at Friends trivia, uh,
0: turns out I am pretty damn good. Okay, but also there are people who are really damn good. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> um, it's surprising how much um, a sh- a show that lasted ten years, ten or so. Yeah. That's actually one of the questions. How many seasons did we Oh, really? okay. Which I got right, so it's 10. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. 94 to 2004. Okay. That lasted 10 years. How much of that you actually
1: retain, even mm. though it's been off the air for well, 18 years now? That's because if people like Friends, they've watched Friends a lot yes. in repeats and in streaming. So, or DVD sets, et etc. Et yeah. So, yeah, a lot of Friends stuff yeah. too. But there's also a lot of Friends
0: trivia that's not related to the show, but is tangentially right. related. Like, if you have to have seen um, interviews and the reunion special and, uh, like, post-DVD commentary and different trivia quizzes of, like, who's been the most episodes in name only and other yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, there's a lot of different ways that these questions were posed to us. And I got them right because I'm good at friends. I, uh, a lot of that is Like when you think about it, actually useless trivia, (laughs) but here it paid off. And yet, I was nowhere near the top. Well, there you go.
1: Goes to show you.
0: Yes, I could have
1: done more studying. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Really, uh, like brush up on your friends. Anyway, well, that's fun. Yeah,
0: it was was a good week-long thing. I had fun watching it. My only, my only, a big gripe about it was that um, it aired during um, extremely late. Okay. Um, it was two hours between 10 and midnight, oh, and I'm not going to stay up for no. all
1: four episodes. Not for friends, no. No. Not worth it. Not for the trivia.
0: I mean, there are people who will do that, and who yeah. did do that. That's true. So, but I just watched like my hour, and then like went to bed at 11, at a normal time. Okay. Like a normal That's person. Good. That's good. That's good. So, yeah. oh, oh I got the fun in uh, actually doing the trivia, but also like mm-hmm. just enough to where I'm not going to stay up for all this. Yeah. I don't blame you
1: else new that you watched this week oh new stuff yeah not from the 90s
0: (laughs) no (laughs) um oh there is one show um uh it's um throwdown with uh, michael simon i am chef michael simon Oh, okay a new uh show called throwdown but it's the exact same concept of beat the Bobby Flay or Bobby oh, Flay's
1: throwdown? They, so they had to come up with a replacement now that Bobby Flay left Food Network.
0: Yes, and they chose Michael Simon. All right. So, so is, exact is, same is, it no, no. is it a new? No. Is host? it a new host? Yes.
1: Yes, a <laughs> yes. new chef? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I watched a new show. You did. I did. I went to the, the, I guess, not super familiar to the media Book podcast land of Freeform to check out a new show. Wait, this is on Freeform? This is on Freeform. Formerly ABC Family. Yes, yeah, that's, that's Freeform, believe it or not. Freeform not necessarily known for uh, uh, having a lot of stuff that we would care about, but uh, I gave it a try because Hulu was throwing this at me. The last time I watched something on Freeform, it was uh,
0: Pretty Little Liars.
1: Yeah. And that was like the first two seasons before. <laughs> it's like, just, no, no, thank you. <laughs> well, in the proud tradition now... <laughs> this is nothing like Pretty Little Liars. I watched the first couple episodes of Single Drunk Female, which is exactly what the name makes uh, makes it sound like it is. It is a show about a woman in her 20s um, who is an alcoholic. And after hitting rock bottom, decides to go to, finally, Alcoholics Anonymous to try to clean herself up. Isn't this the plot of Mom? Uh, except not, because... It's not really about the relationship between her and her mother. There is a a relationship there, and there is some strained kind of issues between the two of them. Uh, I believe also has a a father who is deceased. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a plot point in the show. But it's more about focusing on kind of her recovery and um, her trying to get back on her feet after kind of just throwing her entire life in the trash. Um, so she doesn't have a job. She needs. So she has that struggle. She can't drive very well. It's another struggle. She's losing her friends as there's a complication with her um, with her ex uh, 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 boyfriend being uh, now engaged to her ex best friend. So that complicates some things as well. So the show kind of delves into that. Uh, but before you start thinking, wait a minute, we took a big dump on uh, on Euphoria a couple of weeks ago for. Yes feeling like similarly just delving into the darkness of substance abuse for young, like, and what that does to young adults. There's a difference here. This is a comedy. <laughs> Wait, is Euphoria not a comedy? <laughs> no, not at all, actually. Uh, the other thing, another note I want to say is I attempted to watch the pilot of Euphoria. And as they attempted? Uh, yeah, I guess. I didn't even give it 10 minutes last time. I yeah. gave this time 30 minutes of a... 50 minute long pilot holy shit that thing's long and i yes. could not get through it it was a struggle throughout i just didn't don't like the tone of that thing it's just grimy and gross and i just don't like anybody and the way that characters talk to each other it just makes me feel uncomfortable so i did not enjoy euphoria but this show is actually kind of charming i think it's well written um the creator uh, herself wrote the first couple episodes and it's very very authored you can feel that kind of indie film kind of like vibe where she's really trying to like have a unique voice in all her characters and she's and she really makes a point to like have that a- auteur style to it um, the lead character uh she's not initially super charming but you get to like her after spending some time with her She's definitely That's why it's a Jenny Conner production. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, that's girls. That's from girls (laughs) right there. (laughs) It's got a very similar vibe to that, except really leans heavier on the comedy. And in the freeform style, it's a little looser and it's a little more like friendly to like young adults, very aimed towards those 20-somethings who want to see their own life kind of reflected. Mm -hmm. I'm having a good time with it so far. I like it. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, So I'm going to continue sticking with it. It has a lot to say about recovering from alcoholism and about those relationships that you're reforming in the wake of kind of throwing your life away. Um, So yeah, it looks like you just pulled up uh, the creator Simone Finch's IMTB app. It looks like she did some work on the Connors recently. Uh, she used to uh, perform Lee, of course the reboot of Roseanne. so it yeah. looks like she spent a lot of time kind of on writer staffs for other shows mm-hmm. uh, for a while before finally nailing her first uh, created by credit yep
0: uh, no cuz i thought this was like Diablo Cody's next thing when you mentioned
1: You know uh, it's got that vibe to it it does remind me a lot of Diablo I saw the, yes. uh, I've
0: seen the commercials for it it's very and, much and somebody you trying that it's like to... an indie
1: comedy yeah. like that's what Diablo Cody's sheet. Yes, thing. it seems like Simone's uh, writing style is very influenced by Diablo Cody. I did think a lot about young adults. Yes, and uh, the film that, the thing that deals also with a lot of this. What are you talking about? Like, this content. sounds like
0: young adult here.
1: So I'm having a good time with it. It's um, it's a little on the darker side, but I think the jokes uh, are good enough to make up for that. And I do find myself rooting for this character. I want her to succeed, even though she's kind of. Kind of lousy, but not so lousy that you don't want to watch. Okay. So, um, I, yeah, I like it so far, uh, even though it is not for me at all. <laughs> but then again, hey, eu- Euphoria, also not for me, but I definitely don't like that. So, I don't know. It's also skews a little older. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I'm having a good time with it. I like it so far. Okay, that's, that's really good. Yeah, freeform. Who would have guessed? Wonderful guess. Let's move on, though. Yeah. Uh, that's all, really, I watched. There's probably a couple more things I'll talk about next week that I need to catch up on. Um, so I'll talk about the uh, talk championship NFL championship games yes. next week, and we'll find out who's in the Super Bowl next, next week. week. But in the meantime, you we know, have cancellations and renewals to talk oh, about. Right. What about am I no here? longer watching? Nickelodeon has renewed That Girl Lele for a second season. Shrug. Showtime has canceled Black Monday after three seasons. They've also canceled Work in Progress. After after a second season, I guess it's no longer a work in progress. It's uh, work terminated. (laughs) Yes. HBO will be bringing back your favorite, Righteous Gemstones, for a third season. Yes, currently enjoying the second season of that. Yeah, Showtime has canceled American Rust after one season. Peacock has canceled Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol after one season. CBS is is bringing back Ghosts for a second season. The Neighborhood for a fourth season. And this is a name I haven't thought about in a couple years. Bob Hart's Abishola for a third season.
0: It's either the third or fourth season. I, I couldn't remember. Wow.
1: That show's still on. <laughs> Goes to show you. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody is still watching Bob Hart's Abishola.
0: Either that or Bobby Gears show whatever his name is. <laughs> like, it's just, like, continuing to schmooze the CBS executives. Just say, yes,
1: keep this working. I need a paycheck. Who can say? We have one death uh, to talk about real briefly here. Kathleen Cates, age 73. Actress was in, recently, The Many Saints of Newark, Law & Order, SVU, Shades of Blue, Seinfeld, and Orange is the New Black, among other things. Yes. So,
0: uh, prolific. Yes. TV actress um, popped up everywhere. One
1: of those, oh, I recognize that person. Yeah. All right. That's it for television. Uh, So, we can finally wrap up the show in a pretty, what I think will be a shortish. Oh, it'll definitely be short. Movies section here. We start with the box office numbers. As always, your number one again this week is Spider-Man. Spider-Wan. Spider-Man. spider <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home with another $14 million. That's at $720 million. Will it make it to a billion? Domestic. It could.
0: No. 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 Actually, I want to see where it is like all time real quick.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous is yes. what it is. All
0: right. Uh, all time. Four. All time. All time
1: grossest. Not on the list. Oh, no, it is. It's way down at number four. Yes. So it's creeping to Avatar levels. Slowly but surely. Wait, no, this
0: is, yeah, No Way Home. Yeah,
1: yes. Yeah, at number four, so.
0: Yes. Only thing above it is Avatar. Avatar,
1: Endgame, and Force Awakens. Yes. Oof.
0: um, It may stall out here, maybe, before Avatar.
1: Yeah. It could.
0: It could. It but could. It, that means it is Marvel's the MCU's most successful movie, or second most successful movie, passing yeah. Black Panther yes.
1: and passing Avengers Infinity War. No slouch. What did slouch, though? The rest of your top five, because they cannot fight Spider Man. The very few people. No matter can. how hard they may scream. Well, I rally Scream, and Scream is your number two million uh, to movie this year <laughs> with $12 million. That's sitting at 51 a Respectable yeah. hit for a horror movie. You know, they're never that expensive. Number three, Sing 2, with another 5.7 million, 128 million domestic for that one. Four, Redeeming Love, debuted with 3.5 million dollars, and number five, rounding out, still The King's Man, crawling with another 1.7 million, 31 million dollars. It sounds disappointing, but it's still top five film. Still okay. Number eight, in case you're wondering what, where the King's daughter is, 720 thousand dollars. So, uh, an article popped up about The King's Daughter. Okay. Turns
0: out this is a film that tried to get made eight years ago. Uh-huh. Was actually filmed five years ago,
1: but couldn't find a distributor wow. until now. Until now.
0: It's one of those shelved movies that just sat there and they sat just, there and sat
1: there. They just sent it to die because they were like, we got to put this out. Yes. Like, we're losing money on this.
0: Yes, we're losing money by just keeping it in our vault here. Makes sense.
1: If those movies don't sound interesting to you, good news is Friday has a couple of releases you might care about. First up, Moonfall. What is Moonfall? Uh, the
0: moon is ca- ca- falling onto the earth. Yes. Oh No, it's Majora's Mask. It is. Ah. <laughs> that's basically what it is. is that it? Yeah. All right. I mean, it sounds stupid, but that's exactly what it is. I can't I believe you.
1: Uh, I can't like make this shit up. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Moonfall, a mysterious force, knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. That's all you really need to know. Yes. Um, also,
0: that it's. Uh, it's two hours, even. Apparently.
1: <laughs> so, there you go.
0: Yep. Uh, but also, that it stars Holly Berry and Patrick Wilson. Ah.
1: And Michael Pena. But more importantly, uh, finally, after a year of delays, uh, we finally get. The new Jackass film, Jackass Forever, uh, which I believe completes the Jackass saga. I believe they said this is it. Well, yeah, because John is like fifty, and, <laughs> and it should. should be done after this. Uh, so yeah, don't. Uh, so see if you want to see the old, uh, uh, old. I guess the cast of the original Getting Old. As well as some new faces like Machine Gun Kelly for some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Eric Andre also appears somewhere. I would not be surprised. So yeah, Jackass is back in theaters this week, if you care. Jackass forever.
0: But if you care solely about Johnny <laughs> Knoxville, yeah. you can see him in WWE's Royal Rumble! We don't have
1: time to get into that. No, that, that is that
0: That is the plug uh, for this upcoming weekend. But anyways,
1: let's talk about instead a couple of movie stories real briefly here. A little update about the Beatles. We talked, of course, about Peter Jackson's uh Get Back documentary. You mean maybe about favorite award winning? Favorite. Get back. Uh get back. Uh well, a little uh special gift has been given um to fans of that documentary. Peter Jackson has taken the 60-minute rooftop performance from the film and from real life, uh, and made it an imax event that will be in theaters this weekend only. The screening will mark the 53rd anniversary of the concert atop the Apple Corps' Seville Row headquarters. Not only that, but IMAX theaters will host the screenings with a Peter Jackson Q&A broadcast via satellite simultaneously to all connected IMAX locations. If you miss that IMAX screening this weekend, don't worry, a global theatrical engagement of the 60-minute feature, The Beatles' Get Back the Rooftop concert, will also run February 11th through the 13th. The complete docuseries, The Beatles Get Back, is also going to be available on Blu-ray and DVD starting February 8th. So if you want to keep a copy forever, you can do so. Yes,
0: if you were worried about it Disney Plus. being Disney, yeah. one, Disney Plus being the hurdle you have to jump over. Yeah. Two, that it would only be on Disney Plus, that you couldn't like take it, show it, keep it, have it on your shelves. Now you
1: can. Now you can. Add it to your Beatles collection. There you go. So, yeah, check that out. Also notable is that uh, on music streaming services, they've also put the basically pure audio from the rooftop performance on streaming services. So you yes. can just pull that up. I saw that as well. Yes. All right. Second story takes us to a familiar name to the Meet People podcast, Doug Jones. The actor? No. The creature character actor. Ooh. He has been named the recipient of the inaugural The Chair Award <laughs> from the Makeup Artists and Hairstylist Stylists Guild. That's, of course, Yahtzee Local 706. Quote Talk to any number of the top makeup artists and hairstylists in our industry, and they will tell you Doug Jones is a true pleasure to work and collaborate with. He is a talented, consummate professional with infinite patience while morphing into all his memorable characters. No one is more deserving of this honor, and we all wish him a heartfelt congratulations. That's Guild President Julie Sokash. So yeah, Doug Jones. I've heard his name a lot. He's very prominently featured in a lot of um, mm-hmm. stories and documentaries and about the uh, industry of effects and creature and creature uh, design. He popped up a lot in um, Face Off, the sci-fi uh, reality yeah. series. He was in. Um, he was the creature behind Guillermo. He also works
0: with Toro a, a lot. lot. He was the creature behind uh, The Shape of Water. Yes. Uh, he was also in Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Um, the Hellboy series yes. as well.
1: Basically, any weird-ass creature you've seen in the last ten years in a movie, probably Doug Jones. Yes. And this is the <laughs> inaugural award yeah. um, of the chair. people
0: who, of actors who help bring these basically day-long um, makeup artists, like
1: all their work, to life on the big screen. Yeah. And good for him. So congratulations to Doug Jones, and congratulations to us for another wonderful Media Boat podcast. Oh, we're, we're not talking about any thoughts? No, I, don't want, I didn't watch any new movies Okay, no, this week. no, we didn't. <laughs> uh, no.
0: So, I'm in part four of okay. what's ending up being like a ten-part way of me watching Don't Look Up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because I'm only watching about 20-minute chunks. Oh, <laughs> why
1: are you doing this to yourself?
0: Because I keep, like, having to stop and go do something else, and I can't... Find the time to sit down and watch it. Well, maybe someday we
1: will finish that and talk about it. Maybe. In the meantime, movies, uh, yeah, we're kind of just keep playing catch-up as we wait for stuff to come to streaming after theatrical release. And uh, as yeah. the Oscar buzz starts to heat up, maybe we'll see some of those films as well, try to make our own calls about uh, what we think is going to to get the uh, the big awards. Yep, current frontrunner
0: is Power of the Dog, so yeah. if you have not seen that on Netflix... That dog's got a
1: lot of power. You can
0: go watch it there. That powerful-ass dog. Uh, that's a different movie. That's Cujo. Oh.
1: <laughs> Good point. All right. So, but that'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast or that Air Bud. That's a different kind of powerful dog. Yes. He's just... He's got game. That's the difference. <laughs> all right. Uh, you can, of course, join us next week, where we will have another episode for you. We'll talk about Mitski. We'll talk about Pokemon. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff that we don't even know we're going to talk about yet. Oh, we'll talk... We'll get Super Bowl predictions next week. We will. So... Keep uh, if you keep the tabs on us for next week. If you want to watch us live, you can go to YouTube, youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast. You can find our page, like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications when we go live. You can also listen to us in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, um, Spotify, maybe for now. I might rethink that after this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, unlink it. Yeah, we <laughs> might. Um, um and then um yeah, and also iHeartRadio, all sorts of different sources if you want to look us up, search Media Boat Podcast. You can also find us on social media where our handle is Media Boat Podcasts and a lot of them. Yeah, on Twitter, we're actually MediaBoat Cast, so check that us out there. And last but definitely, definitely not least, if you want to ask us a question, if you had feedback about the show, you can email us directly. MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com is that address.
0: If you have something that you think we should talk about,
1: yes. email us. Also, awesome. Recommendations.
0: Um, yeah, just anything you want to say to us. We're yeah, so all an, ears. If there's an album that
1: you are absolutely jamming to, yeah. we have not
0: uh, talked about on this podcast.
1: Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Yeah, movie, television show, uh, video game, anything. Uh, just let us know. We love to interact with our community. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. See you next time. Yep, yeah, we'll be back next week with our first February show. <laughs> Bye-bye okay, bye bye, January. Bye bye.